Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Amen. It is good to see you. That's a good song, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. It is, uh, as I said, it's good to be in the Lord's house today, and uh, I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Man, as I was up there looking out, I was uh, amazed by all the babies that have been born recently, and I saw Xavier, you guys over here, and and yeah, yeah, and uh, and then Lisa came in, and then I looked over here, and I saw over here that uh, I, I don't. I'm guessing they didn't leave him at home. I'm guessing Liam James made his triumphant entry too. And so, man, we got all kind of baby things happening. So praise the Lord, Amen. Uh, that's one way you add to the church. <laughs> amen, Amen. And uh, it's exciting. Uh, it. It's an exciting and a nerve-wracking time of life, isn't it? And uh, your life will never, ever be the same, I can assure you. Uh, hey, as we get ready to get into God's Word, I hope that you have your Bible. Listen, this is one place where I want to encourage you to bring your Bible. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hey, listen, I'm not going to get upset if you bring your Bible to God's house. It's okay, and, and we like it. Uh, bring your Bible here. If you have your Bible, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4, but as we're uh, getting ready to get started, I do want to remind you of a couple of things. This coming Saturday, uh, kids night out, 5 to 7, 3 years old to 5th grade. Moms and dads, make sure uh, that you make plans for that. And then next week, we'll be having the Upward Basketball uh, and Cheer Evaluations Monday night and Thursday night. I believe there's a sign-up at the information desk uh, that you could help us out by serving I believe that runs from 6 to 8 p.m. for the Upward Evaluation. And then uh, two weeks from yesterday is our Community Carnival. You'll find updated invite cards at the Information Center. Some of them in the bowls have been wrapped in groups of 10. Groups of 10. So listen, I want to encourage everybody to grab one. There's 10 people that I believe that each of you could invite to come to a Community Carnival and many times, these are folks that would not come to a church service, but they might bring their kids, grandkids, or let their neighbors know about a carnival. And so, I encourage you to do that as unto the Lord. Amen? And we're looking for a good time there. And then, just about a month or so from now, we'll have our Friend Day on the 13th of November. And I encourage you to be inviting folks for that uh, as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I'll, I'll remind you of a couple prayer requests when we get to the end today, but I want us to get into God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, and if it seems like I'm out of breath, I am a little bit out of breath, but that's okay. We will, we will walk through this passage, and I believe this is going to be a blessing. I really do. I believe God's going to use this not only to encourage our hearts, but to challenge us today of how you and I as believers, should be living our lives. Amen? So let's look and see what God has to say, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, the Apostle Paul, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now notice verse number 1 again. Go back and look with me at verse number 1. Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye, notice those words, walk worthy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the songs that we have sung and certainly we are reminded each and every day that you are a good God, that you have loved us and you have done so much for us. And so, Father, I pray that you would 
encourage our hearts today. God, that you might remind us that we are to be driven by the love that you showed to us and that you sent Christ to die for our sins. Lord, that we would be grateful people each and every day, that we would be mindful of the price that you paid for our lives. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, God, that today that you might use your word and that the Holy Spirit might move and draw that one, draw those ones unto yourself where they might find forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Lord, I pray for those who are here today who have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ and maybe, maybe today you would speak to their hearts. Maybe it's been a while since they have, as scripture says, walked worthy. Lord, I pray that you will have your will in your way and that you will do what only you can do through the teaching and preaching of your word. Father, I pray that you be with us as a people that we will shine as lights in a dark world. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and all the glory for what you'll do. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we do pray and for his sake we all say amen and amen. Well, we've had a great time over the past month with our missions revival and and kind of getting started on this new journey of faith. But if we're not careful, sometimes what we do is we supplant uh, walking worthy for doing. You know, we, we, we do things or we give to the work of the Lord or we, uh, we say things. Or maybe you get involved in the choir for Christmas. By the way, there's your plug. If you're not in the choir already, man, you ought to get involved with the choir. We're going to have a great time come December the 18th. And you don't want to miss it. But... But I want you to know that singing in the choir, giving to Faith Promise Missions, giving to support the local ministry, or serving at a carnival, or a kid's night out, or anything, it, doesn't, it does not erase the requirement that we have in Scripture to walk worthy. And here's what we find in verse number 1. Look at it again. Paul says, I beseech you therefore that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now before we actually dig into that, I think it's important, I want you to look across the page, or maybe in some cases flip back a page, to Ephesians chapter 1, because I think it's important, and I want you to kind of walk through this journey with me, but I, I think it's important for us to understand all of the things that God has done. Now if you have a camera and you want to take a picture here in just a couple of minutes of, of a couple of slides, I'll encourage you to do it. But I want you to look at what God's Word says, not the slides. So if you want to get a picture real quick and then draw your attention back to Scripture, it's important that we know all of the things that God has done for us. And so look with me uh, very quickly in chapter 1, look at verse number 3. The Bible says that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessing. In verse number 4, the Bible says that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world. Verse number 5, we have been adopted by Jesus Christ. Can somebody get excited about that? Say amen. Prove to me that you're awake today. Say amen. All right, I'm just checking. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says we have been accepted in the Beloved. Verse number 7, we got a couple of things going on here. The Bible says that we have been redeemed through Christ's blood. And verse number 7 also says that our sins have been forgiven. As Romans chapter 8 and verse number 2 says, we have been set free from the law of sin and death. Can you get excited this morning? Oh, man, hold on. We're just getting started. You said, what, what are you so excited about? Because this is all about what God has done, not what you and I have done. Now watch, verse number 7, we finish that. Jump down to verse number 11. The Bible says we've been given an inheritance. Man, there's a lot of people waiting for an inheritance these days. Can I tell you, I don't need your inheritance. I got an inheritance that will never fade away, amen? I don't need you to give me anything. By the way, let me thank you. Let me thank you for all the cards and the well wishes that were given to me this last week. To show your love and appreciation. I am unworthy of it, but I am very grateful for it. It was an encouraging afternoon as I read those cards. And I wore my, my bad birdie hat, Tim. I sat there with my hat on and I reminded my wife that Tim said, This is for golf, not tennis. Alright? Thank you so much for showing that love to me. 
But you see, verse number 11 says we've been given an inheritance. Verse number 13 says that we have... Man, I get excited about verse number 13. Somebody look at it. It says, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In other words, if you're a believer today, you're headed for heaven and you can't help it. Woo, I love that. I love that. No problems with God's postal service. Amen. We're headed for heaven. Guys, I'm sorry that my voice is weak today and I'm ringing a little bit. I know you guys are trying to work magic back there with, an, with, a, uh, with a faulty system up here. But I love you guys. Thank you so much. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Look at chapter 2. It goes on. We've been quickened or made alive in verse number 1 of chapter 2. Spiritually speaking, see, we were dead and now we have been brought back to life. Verse number 4 of chapter 2, we've been loved. Verse number 6, we've been raised up to, made, to be made to sit in heavenly places, in other words. How amazing is that? God raises us up to sit in heavenly places. Look at verse number 10, we've been created in Christ Jesus. Verse number 13, we have been brought near or made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. The only reason that I'm able to come to the Father, the only reason that you as believers are able to come to the Father is because Jesus paid a price that he didn't have to pay, but he willingly paid so that we could come near to the Father. Isn't that good? Oh, man. It is good. By the way, Sam, it's good to see you guys back. Bless your heart. I saw you come back in there. Look at verse, look at verse number 16 of chapter 2. The Bible says here that we've been reconciled unto God. Verse number 18, we've been granted access. There it is again. We've been granted access to the Father. Listen, I, 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 listen, I love you. I don't need to go through somebody else to pray to the Father. I can come boldly. And by the way, it's not my word. It's God's word that says it. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15 and 16 remind us that because of Christ, I can come boldly to the throne of God's grace. Amen? Oh, I have access. I've been granted that access to the Father. In chapter 3 and verse number 17, this is Paul. He's in the middle of, of uh, revealing a number of things. At the end of chapter 1, he prays. And then here in chapter 3, he prays. But here in chapter 3, in the midst of his prayer, we're reminded that we have been rooted and grounded in love. Oh man, look at all the things that God has done for us. Can somebody get excited? I mean, if, if, if I just showed you those two slides and we got the praise team back up here to start playing, man, these altars ought to be filled with people just praising God for all that he has done. But I'm afraid we live... In a real world where we face real-time problems, real-time stresses and strains, and sometimes what happens is we don't focus. We, we lose our focus, right, Ernie? We don't focus on all that God has done. And when we stop focusing on what He has done, we start to focus on what we think we are doing, and we end up missing the mark. You see, because he is the only one worthy to be praised. I put in my notes, truly we have been given a heavenly calling. Look at verse number one of our text. God's word continues here. You see, in chapters one, two, and three, Paul is sharing a lot of truths, a lot of, uh, of positional truths, if you please. And now we get to chapter four. And chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6 is the practical aptitude, so to speak, of the book of Ephesians. So you have positional things, and then you have practical things beginning here in verse number 1. And so we see some practical instructions of how we, as believers, are to live. Now, look at verse number 1 again. By the way, verse number one is not suggesting somehow uh, that we're walking worthy of our vocation wherewith we are called. It's not suggesting that you and I are earning or you and I are paying off uh, our salvation debt. It's just simply pointing out how what should be reflected, in other words, in our lives because of what Christ has done. Look at, uh, in fact, Galatians 5.25 says it this way. It says, if we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. But in verse number 1 of our text, a couple of weeks ago, Travis had a therefore in his message. Look at verse number 1. Paul says, I therefore, I therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? 
That's what I always say. Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, why is this word therefore right there? Well, the reason it's there, I just shared it with you. Because Paul says, therefore, because of all the things that God has done, I just showed it to you in chapter 1, in chapter 2, in chapter 3. I've prayed for you twice now. And because of all of these great things, therefore, Paul says, it's a continuance, it's a transitional word. He says, this is how you should live. Now notice Paul, we know that Paul is a physical prisoner in a physical jail at this time. But he's not referencing himself as a prisoner of the Lord because he's locked up in chains. He's referencing himself as a prisoner of the Lord because of what Jesus had done for him. Oh, that's a big difference, folks. That's a big difference. He's governed by a new system, by a new belief, by a new law, the law of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number one. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech. That word beseech is the word parakaleo. It actually means, that word beseech means to call near or to invoke. In other words, let me give you a simple word. I beseech, I beg you. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm begging you. I'm begging you because of what I just shared. Because of all the things, because you've been blessed, because you've been chosen, adopted, and accepted, and redeemed, and forgiven, and you've been granted access to the Father, because you are rooted and grounded in love, because of all of these things, he says, I'm begging you, I'm beseeching you, I'm imploring you, I'm calling you, I'm trying to get your attention, and here's what I'm asking you to do, I'm asking you, because of what Christ has done. I'm asking and calling you to walk worthy. Do you see it? Do you see it? That's exactly what we're being told today. We've been told to walk worthy. Now look, this word beseech is the same exact word. There's so much consistency in scripture. Where Paul says here, I beseech you. He says, he says I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. It's the same word that we find him using in Romans chapter 12 in verse number 1. When he says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? reasonable service oh it's so much consistency you see it's a call an exhortation or a reminder if you please that you and I are to walk watch this we're to walk in a way that's commensurate with God's provision that's a high calling amen have you ever tried to walk like Jesus walked scripture says we're to walk as Jesus walked that's hard that's hard. Anybody, can you say that's hard? It's hard. That's why we need to armor up every day. We got we to gotta walk in the armor of the Lord. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. If we're going to walk worthy, if we're going to walk in this world, we have to have the armor of God strengthening on us. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, the Bible indicates as God's workmanship that you and I should walk We've been created, right? But we should walk in good works. Flip over a couple of pages. Nowhere that I'm going today is going to be long. I think two pages. Flip over to Colossians chapter 1. I want you to see Paul's prayer to, for the church at Colossus. Because like he is saying here to the church at Ephesus, he then turns around and says something very similar to the church at Colossae. So now look at chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. It's page 762. And notice beginning in verse number 9 what Paul says. He says, for this cause. He says, for this cause, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Watch verse number 10. That ye might what? Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks 
unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In other words, he's saying, hey, listen, in, in, to the church at Ephesus, he's saying, I want you to walk worthy. Colossians, he says, hey, guys, you need to walk worthy. Unless you think twice is not enough, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul points out again how you and I should live by actually what he does. He says, hey, guess what? You remember how I, how, how I myself, how Timothy and how Silas, how we lived? He said, this is how you should live. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse number 10. Paul says it this way. He says, ye are witnesses and God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Now stop real quick with me. I want to make sure we understand something. Paul is not, he doesn't need a lesson in humility right here. Man, look at Paul. Look how, how puffed up he is. He's saying, you see how holy, how justly, and how unblameably I walked in front of you? That's not, he, he doesn't have a humility problem. He's trying to remind this church of how they should walk. And so he's using the example that he and Timothy and Silas had already set. By the way, it's exactly how we should live. If you're going to call somebody else to walk worthy, you need to be walking worthy as well. Right? So notice what he says. He says, hey, you're witnesses in God also of how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Verse number 11, as you know how, we exhorted. We not only exhorted you, we comforted you and we charged you. Every one of you, as a father does his children, that ye walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Over and over we see this reoccurring theme, to walk worthy. But what are we to walk worthy of? You say, well, we walk worthy of Jesus Christ. Well, look at verse 1 of our text again in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says that we're to walk worthy. In the King James, he uses this, this word vocation, to walk worthy of of the vocation wherewith you are called. That word vocation, and we'll see it here again in just a second, but it's really just speaking of God's invitation. His invitation in salvation. He's saying, hey, walk worthy of this invitation. So if you're a note taker, I got one big point for you today. One big point for you today. We're to walk worthy of the gospel. Anybody there today? We're to walk worthy of the gospel. Let me ask you. You can quietly answer, you can quietly moan. How's that going with you? See, it's a difficult thing to walk worthy of the gospel. You say, man, it should be really easy. But this old world, this old flesh gets us down sometimes. Notice, Paul says, we're to walk worthy of the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27, listen to what he writes to the church at Philippi. He says, only let your conversation... Now that word conversation literally means conduct or life or only let your conversation. Only let your conversation as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In other words, only let your behavior be as a citizen of the gospel of Christ. Amen? And so watch what he's saying. He says, let your conversation or conduct or life be as it become the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit now hold on to that because you're going to see it at the end of the message that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel you see before Christ comes in we're unable to walk. We're unable to walk worthy or in a manner that's consistent with the gospel. Everybody agreed? I can't walk worthy of the gospel if I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now, I can do everything I can to be a good person. I can help someone across the street. I can, I can give to help feed the poor or whatever. I can clothe and, and, and offer, offer service types of things. But I cannot walk worthy of the gospel if I don't know the gospel. Does that make sense? And so this is very plain and simple here across the board. And you say, well, where do you get your proof that you cannot walk worthy of the gospel? Well, I actually alluded to it earlier in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse number 2, the Bible tells us that in time past, 
that you and I, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. There's no way that I can walk worthy of the gospel before Christ comes in. In fact, Galatians chapter 5 says that we were entangled. We were entangled with the yoke of bondage. But here's where the rubber starts to meet the road. Once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, once you have, oh, once, once the word of God and the spirit of God has drawn you and you've opened up and you've received, you've, you've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin and Christ has come in and made you a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Once that has taken place, not only, watch this, not only is Jesus watching, but everyone else around us is watching. There are people who are watching our lives day in and day out. Have you ever heard the saying that you might fool me, but you'll never fool God? The truth is, people are watching. Christ is watching, but people are watching. And based on what they see, based on what they experience through doing business with you, doing life with you, uh, having interactions with you, these people are going to make an assessment, whether it be right or wrong. You say, man, don't judge a book by its cover. But guess what? That's what the world does. They're judging the book by the cover. And so what they're going to do is they're going to make an assessment about your Jesus, watch this, by how you and I are living our lives. If you say you're a Christian, then you ought to act like a Christian, amen? See, people will make an assessment. This happened to me when I was in the Marine Corps. I remember years ago, and I told the story in my testimony. Uh, I had trusted Christ when I was a teenager and uh, really hadn't been discipled, but went off and I was, I was there serving at the University of the United States Marine Corps and uh, had a fellow Marine come up to me and uh, he said, I thought you said you was a Christian. Put his little finger in my face. Man, anybody ever put their finger in your face? I can tell you when you're in the Marine Corps, that's not, not something you want somebody to do. Okay? I had many thoughts about what to do with this finger when he put it in my face. And he put his finger in my face. He said, I thought you said you was a Christian. And I said, I am, man. Get off my back. And he said, then why don't you start acting like it? Ooh. You ever felt real big and then all of a sudden you got, you start going down? You see, God used him to get a hold of my heart to challenge me. You see, based on what people are seeing and based on how you and I are living, people are going to make a determination about our Jesus. It's so incredibly important. I think about the Apostle Paul. This is someone who persecuted believers. And here's, he said, you know, he has this Damascus Road experience. And then later on, he writes to the church of Galatia, one of the most famous passages of all scripture in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Here's what he says about his life. He says, hey, listen, maybe I lived a certain way before Christ. He said, but guess what? Now I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ, he says, but Christ liveth in me. Now, if you're someone who can underline or you don't mind underlining, you ought to underline that in your text. Christ liveth in me. And because Jesus lives in you, you and I have a responsibility to represent him. And we should be representing him well. He says, Christ liveth in me. He says, in the life that I now live in the flesh, he says, guess what? I'm living, but it's not me living, you see, because I, my old self has been put to death. I'm alive now, but the only reason I'm alive is because of Jesus Christ living inside of me. And he says, in the life which I now live, in the flesh I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. Oh yes, how we walk. How we walk is important. We're to be walking. We're, we're to walk worthy of the gospel. And how we walk is important. 
But if you want to write this down, I say this. Where we walk is crucial. How we walk is important. You say, man, this is a bunch of double talk. What are you talking about? But where we walk is crucial. In 1 John chapter 1, and verse number 7, the Bible says, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That word, walking in the light, speaks of walking in the light of God's Word. You see it? If we walk in the light, as in He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And so it's a reference to the, to the power of walking in God's word. In Psalm 119, in verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If we're not walking in the light of God's word, then it stands to reason that we're walking in something else. You get that? See, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, Brethren, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. See, if we're, not, if we're not walking, see, how we walk is important, but where we walk is crucial. See, because if I'm not walking in the Word of God, if I'm not daily living by the Word of God, then there's no way that you can honestly say, bro, I'm walking worthy. No, you're not. No, I'm not. If I'm not walking in the light of God's Word, there's no way that I can walk worthy about a month ago on Wednesday those who are here on Wednesday nights will remember this I shared the story I have a problem I'm not an electrician but I have a problem uh, with light switches and I see my favorite electricians here in in the space and and my mind just works this way now now follow with me if the switch is up the light should be what if the switch is down the light should be what Okay, okay, about, about 40% of you answered because the other 60 are saying, I'm not going to talk no matter what he says. I, I, I shall not be moved. I don't care if this is a Baptist church. I'm never going to say a word, right? So I have this problem. There's a little short stairwell that Tim and Tim decided that we needed in our house to make things work, Right? coming from the, the level of the house down to the garage. And so there's a door, and there's another door, and there's about three or four steps that go down from there. And on the inside of the house, there's a light switch. <laughs> and on the bottom of the staircase, there's another light switch. Well, as soon as I open the door, if the light switches up, I don't care if the light is out or not. I am not going to flip that switch down to turn it on. Now this can be a dangerous thing, especially when you're walking with a boot on your leg and my little buddy the colonel in tow, as he is most days, he goes with me everywhere. And so I remember one such occasion, the light was out, the switch was up, but the light was off. There was no way I was going to mess with the light. So what I, my plan was to walk in the dark, down the steps, complete blackness, down the steps, right with this boot on and then at the bottom of the steps I would fix the light switch issue by flipping it and then I would go up it was going to be a whole thing seems kind of ludicrous right hey let's take a real maybe maybe you'll participate in this how many of you would say pastor Greg that is crazy hey Gotcha, gotcha, because every one of you said that was crazy to do that, and I'm here to tell you that's no more crazy than you or I making a deliberate choice, making a deliberate choice not to walk in the light of God's word, but to walk in darkness. You know, the Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And yet every day, every day, we as believers, remember Paul's writing to believers. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers. And yet every day as believers, you know what we do? We say, nope, no thank you, God. I got it on my own. I'm going to walk according to my own ways. You know, the Bible says there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. 
See, it may be crazy. I may have a problem with light switches. Y'all pray for me with my light switch problem, but I don't have a problem walking in the light of God's word. Because that is the only way that I can see. People are going to be able to tell what truly governs our lives by how we think. And how we think is going to be evidenced by how we talk and by how we act. And so our thoughts, our words, our actions are going to begin to reveal whether you and I are walking worthy of this high calling that we have in Christ Jesus. It's been said, Travis and I were at a pastor's meeting and one pastor commented, he said this, he said, people don't act like Jesus because they don't think like Jesus. People don't act like Jesus because they don't think like Jesus. Well, I've shared many times that if you want to have the mind of Christ, then have the mind of Christ. Because Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you go back to verse 1 of our text, the three words that we're really deliberating over here are the words walk, the words worthy, and the word vocation. The word walk is the word peripateo, and it means to tread all around, to walk, to live, to regulate, or to be occupied with. So what are you and I to be occupied with? Well, I said that we're to be occupied with the gospel. The second word is the word worthy. It's the Greek word axios, and it actually means to live appropriately or after a godly sort. So we're supposed to be walking worthy. We're to live appropriately according to the Word of God, in the light of God's Word. And then the last word is this idea of vocation, which again, I already said it earlier, speaks of God's invitation or calling and speaks of, uh, of embracing all that He has done for us in salvation. So you say, what's the point? Well, the point is this. If God's Word is not a regular part of our spiritual diet, then walking worthy Walking worthy will be impossible. You have to, if you say, Pastor, I really want to walk worthy, then here's the key. You have to be in the Word of God to walk worthy. And so I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you each and every day. Open up God's Word. I know it's hard. Man, listen, you're not the only one who traveled in and out of I-66. I did that for years. I did that for years. I did it so long that I was ready to retire before I was ready to retire. Anybody feel me? 66 is a nightmare. Any road that you ride on around Northern Virginia is a nightmare. Now, if you want to really get there fast, they, they've gotten so advanced, now you've got to pay to get in the, the quick lanes. First it was get an HOV2 vehicle. So you remember years ago when they first started HOV, you know what I did? I bought a motorcycle. I said, I'm, I'm getting to work fast. Until a truck about ran me off of I-66, I said, the motorcycle's going. Scared the bejeebies out of me. I said, yeah, the motorcycle's going. Plus, Mr. Dodd's putting siding on the house, so I'm going to sell the motorcycle and pay for the siding. <laughs> Mr. Dodd knows that's a true story. How we live and how we walk is so incredibly important. It's so important that we see it. Paul saying it to church after church after church in the New Testament. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. And every time he does so, he's reminding them of all that God has done for them in advance. There's a story of a man I saw this week. There's a story of a man who, who loved handing out tracts. By the way, it's okay. It's a good thing to hand out a track to somebody. It's not a bad thing. But I want to tell you, if you're a track hander outer, then you need to be praying. You need to be asking. You need to be going in the power of God. Don't just flippantly be throwing them things out like they're, you know, it's like, oh, I'll just throw them out like they're candy. Man, you ought to be praying over those tracks as you hand them out. But anyway, this gentleman, I digress. It's not a message on handing out tracks. The gentleman enjoyed handing out tracks and... Story goes that he ran into a man at the store and he handed a tract to a gentleman and the guy said, what's this? And the guy said, well, man, he said, he said that's, a, that's a track. It's going to tell you all you need to know about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without hesitation, the man said, sir, I cannot read. I don't know how to read. 
He said, but here's what I do know. I'll just watch your tracks in the way you live, and that'll tell me all I need to know about your Jesus. See, it's pretty important, this topic of walking worthy. You see, people are watching. Not only is Jesus watching, but people are watching. Look back to our text because the Bible here indicates that when you and I are walking worthy, our life is going to be characterized by a few things, and then I'll wrap up. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 states that walking worthy includes all lowliness and meekness. And in the original Greek form, the word translated here as lowliness comes from a compound of two separate words. They come together, and they actually mean humiliation or a humbleness, watch it, of the mind. A humbleness of the mind. I think about in Acts chapter 20, Paul, he's saying goodbye to the, to the leaders from Ephesus. Remember the elders at Ephesus. And he's telling them in Acts chapter 20 that he had served the Lord. He said, in verse number 19, he said, I served the Lord with all humility of mind. I had a humbleness of mind. I had been brought low by Jesus. And guess what? He's the one that raised me up and established my going. And so Paul says, that's how I served the Lord all my life. Then when he writes to the church of Philippi, you flip over one page to Philippians chapter 2. He says this to the church of Philippi. He says in verse number 3, he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in, watch it, lowliness of what? Mind. Let us esteem each other better than themselves. By the way, this idea of, of having a lowliness of mind, it would not have been a popular message with the Greeks, and it would not have been a popular message with unbelievers then, and it does, it's not a popular opinion with unbelievers now. But Paul says this is how we're to walk, in lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than ourselves. You see, to the Greeks and to the unbelievers then and even now, this idea of having an abundant life, if we say, hey man, have Jesus, have the abundant life, have a fullness of life. That would exclude the idea of humility. It was only in Jesus that humility or humbleness of mind actually became a virtue. Look there again in Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 3 again. Paul says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Verse 5, I read it a minute ago. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what kind of mind was in Christ Jesus? Look at verse number 6. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but watch what he did, but made himself of no reputation. Why does he make himself of no reputation? Because he had a humbleness of mind. He, he was a servant. He had acquiesced and he was following the Father's will. Watch what it says here. It says he made himself of no reputation and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse number 8, and being found in fashion as a man, there it is, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. You see in Christ our old self is put to death. In Christ, our old self is put to death. Old things have been passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And when humility is being exercised by you and by me, it enables us to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Through the years, I've heard, I, I said lowliness and also meekness. I've heard people say uh, that meekness is not weakness. That's a kind of a catchphrase. Meekness isn't weakness, brother. Well, they're right. When they say that, in fact, the original word for meekness here in the Greek actually speaks of a mildness or a gentleness of character. But what's interesting to me is when looking at this word, if, if you look at the adjective form of this word meekness, it actually finds an important use when it describes an animal that is completely disciplined or controlled, much like my puppy, the colonel as long as I'm in the room. And if you need verification on that, you just ask any staff member or my wife when I leave how Colonel loses it. But what I'm in, when I'm in the room, he is an angel. You know, 
he has a discipline about himself. When I leave the room, not so much. You say, what's the point? Well, look at it again. What's the point with this idea of meekness? The idea of an animal, using this example of an animal being disciplined or controlled. The point is this, meekness in the New Testament speaks of one's discipline, one's attitude. It speaks of my discipline, it speaks of my attitude concerning God's word, and it speaks of my discipline and my attitude concerning other people. And so if I'm going to be meek, if I'm going to be lowly of mind, if I'm going to humble myself, if I'm going to have a humbleness of mind, if I'm going to have a gentle spirit, if I'm going to have a mildness about me, guys, by the way, all you big rough and tough men who say, listen, brother, that's why I don't follow God's word because I'm, I'm never meant to be mild or gentle. I'm a man's man. All right, good. Congratulations, sir. One day you're going to meet Jesus. And you're going to find Jesus that he was gentle and that he was mild. See, if I'm going to walk worthy of the gospel, if we're going to walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to quit, we have to quit thinking as the world thinks. And we have to begin thinking as Jesus thought. We have to begin uh, identifying ourselves with Christ rather than who we think we should be. Amen? Oh, it's an important part. In James chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible tells us to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. In 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, watch it, verse 25, in meekness instructing those that actually oppose themselves. Titus chapter 3, verse number 2, further instructs us to speak no evil of any man, not to be brawlers, but to be gentle, showing meekness. This idea of gentleness, this idea of, of mildness unto all men. But to really understand the concept of being lowly and meek, we need look no further than Jesus Christ. Because in Matthew, amen, somebody said amen. Praise the Lord. We need look no further than Jesus Christ, because in Matthew chapter 11, in verse number 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he goes on in verse 29, and he says these words. He says, Take my yoke upon you, and watch it. Learn of me, for I am what? I am meek and lowly in heart. And he says, If you learn of me, then guess what? He says, You shall find rest unto your souls. Oh, yes, it was Chrysostom who once said these words, he said, Nothing is more powerful than meekness. For as fire is extinguished by water, so a mind inflated by anger is subdued by meekness. Some of us have anger issues. Let's just be honest. Anybody ever struggle with anger? I'll be honest with you. Pets can drive you to anger. Some of you say, Man, my kids drive me to anger all the time. You know, a lot of things can drive us to anger. And I dare say that all of them are probably unbiblical. See, because the only thing that we really ought to get angry over is sin. We ought to get angry over sin. And to be honest, we ought to get angry over our own sinfulness. But we get angry over all kinds of things. And if you want to walk worthy, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus because this idea of being lowly, being humble in mind, and to be meek or gentle, it's going to put anger to a stop. It'll stop it dead in its tracks. But if I walk according to my own thought, according to my own ways, then guess what? I'm not going to have victory over that problem either. Verse number 2 also speaks, look at verse number 2 of our text. It also speaks of being long-suffering and forbearing in love. This idea of long-suffering speaks of patience and forbearance and comes with this, this meaning of being long-tempered or somebody who endures. Anybody here got somebody in your life that you've just been so patient with for so long that you're wondering when, when, when are they ever going to figure it out? Yes, yes. Guess what? I'm, a, I'm guessing that Jesus this morning is trying to figure out when we're going to figure it out. He's probably like, man, I'm so patient with these people. When will they ever figure it out? 
Oh, listen, walking worthy of the gospel means that you and I are going to be emulating the patience of God to humanity. In fact, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Galatians chapter 5, we hear about the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in verse 22 and following, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Here it is, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Throw back in meekness, verse 23, temperance. Against such there is no law. And look at verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Put it to death. Remember I said walking worthy means we're going to put to death some things. Have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Oh yes, divine quality of Forbearance is the practical outworking. It's just the practical outworking of this idea of being long-suffering. You know, not only should we put some things to death, but there are some things that we should actually put on if we're going to walk worthy. And you can read chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is amazing. Listen, when you get down to verse number 17 and following, you can read and it's going to tell you all the things that we should be putting on in our life. Things that weren't there before, but now in Christ, they should be a part of our life. And it's amazing. But Colossians chapter 3 also gives us some things. And you're going to see consistency in Scripture. Look at verse number 12. Because in verse number 12, it says this. It says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness. Watch it. Here it comes. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Oh, listen, our everyday lives will no doubt reveal, they'll no doubt reveal how and where you and I are walking. And the question becomes, are we walking worthy Oh, they're going to reveal it to the world. Verse number 3 of our text says that you and I are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, guess what? The Spirit brought the unity. You and I are to endeavor to keep it. In other words, don't blow it. Paul's saying, hey guys, don't blow it. God's done all these things in chapter 1, in chapter 2, in chapter 3. Now I'm reminding you to walk worthy of that calling. Remember? And you need to do it this way. And then when he gets to verse number 3, essentially he's saying, don't blow it. Endeavor to keep, keep that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Oh, we're to do whatever we can to maintain unity that comes through Christ Jesus. I put down in my notes, are we living or walking in a way that unifies? Or are we living or walking in a way that brings about division? That's a tough question. Are we living in a way that unifies or are we living in a way that brings about division? You see, because the Bible says that we're to endeavor. We're, inde we're, we're to be endeavoring, always on the move, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 13, the Bible says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made, all made to drink into how many spirits? Now go back. I want you to see one verse again. I told you we'd come back to it. Philippians 1 and verse 27. And I close. Philippians 1 and verse 27. Look at this verse one more time. Paul says, only let, he says, only let your conversation, your life, your conduct behave like a citizen of Jesus Christ. He says, only let your conduct or life be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast. In other words, that you not be moved, that you don't move. In one spirit, you stand fast in one spirit and with one mind, here we go, striving together 
What did verse 3 say? Endeavoring to keep the unity and the spirit and the bond of peace. Here it says striving together for the faith of the gospel. Folks, when we walk humbly, when we walk in lowliness and meekness and, and on and on, it's all a part of our walk. And guess what? Jesus is watching. He's watching. He's watching to see if we're walking worthy. So I ask the question, how's your walk? How's your walk this morning? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you walking worthy of the gospel? Are you walking? Like, like if, if you do nothing else, go back. If you took pictures, if you do nothing else, go back and look at chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. I would encourage you to read all of Ephesians. But read these passages and remind yourself all of the things that God has done for you today. And then get on your hands and knees and say, God, help me to live with a recognition of all that you have done for me. Help me to live. Help me to walk worthy of the gospel. Help me to walk in light of your word. Help me to get into your word. Let me, help me to have the mind of Christ. Help me to, to share my faith with other people. But help me to do it understanding that as I give a track, as I share my faith, people are not only interested in the piece of paper that I hand them, they're interested in watching in the life that I lead. I wonder if you're here and you'd be honest and you don't have to say anything. But you know in your heart of hearts, maybe you're watching online. You say, you know what, I don't even have a walk. You said earlier in the message that without, without Christ, I'm unable to walk worthy. And Pastor Greg, I don't have a walk. I've been pretending. I've been playing church. I've been, I've been, I've been, I, I put up this wall. That says, hey, I'll live, I'll live my life and I'll make everybody think that everything's good and hunky-dory. And it's really not. I'm not living, I'm not walking worthy because I don't know Jesus and I don't know how. If that's you today, can I just remind you of what we said in verses in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3? There was enough gospel, even in those quick bullet points, to communicate to you the love of God. The fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's enough proof in those texts to remind me that even though I was a sinner, that Christ died for me. He, he washed away my sin. I've been forgiven. I've been, I've been brought near to God. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of everything that Christ has done. If you're watching or you're in this room, listen. Paul said, I beseech you. He said, I beg you. I beg you to walk worthy. A lot of times I, I've heard people say, why do you always beg people to trust Christ? What? Paul was just asking people, he was asking believers to actually live like they believed Jesus. You know, the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents. The only thing that separates an unbeliever from a believer is Jesus. It's not your job. It's not your house. It's not your finances. It's not your good looks or whatever you think else. The only thing that separates me from somebody that is lost and headed to an eternity separated from God is Jesus. The Word of God was preached. The Holy Spirit of God moved and I understood that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you've been playing church and you say, I don't have a walk, I'm begging you. I'm begging you right now. Do not, do not, do not walk out of this room. Do not turn the computer off. Do not turn the TV off without Jesus. Because He did more than enough to prove that He loves you and that He wants a relationship with you. He's so patient. You say, well, the Bible says he's patient. I'm going to wait until I'm 80 years old. That's a fool's bet. That's a fool's bet. Because my Bible says our life is as a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. 
my Bible says, tells me to boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Oh, listen, we're to, we're to understand that our days are limited. If you've never trusted Christ, what could you possibly, if you believe that he is the risen Savior of the world, what could you possibly be waiting for? He loves you and he died for you. And he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And all he says in his word, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't have a walk, the word of God has been preached and the Holy Spirit of God has moved in your heart. There's no need to walk out of this place or to turn the computer off without Jesus. He's calling. He's calling. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. He's calling. He wants us to walk worthy of our vocation, this calling, this invitation. Have you accepted it? Have you received Christ? Have you, have you trusted Him? Only Him, not anything else. Have you done that today? I pray that you would do that and that you'll be bold enough to proclaim that. But if you're here and you're saved and you're really honest with yourself and with God and you say, Pastor, I'm not walking worthy. And I know I'm not walking worthy because I'm not walking in the light of God's word. I didn't need you to tell me I'm not working, walking worthy. I didn't need my husband or my wife or my kids or my grandparents my parents or, or my grandchildren to tell me. I know that I'm not walking worthy because I have stopped walking in the light of God's word. Can I encourage you today? Recommit yourself. Recommit yourself to Christ. Say, God, help me to get back. Help me to get back to my first love. Help me to fall in love with you all over again. Help me to open up the scriptures. Help me to dive in, to dig in, to be reminded of your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And help me to walk worthy. Help me to walk in a way that brings you the honor that you deserve. And can I tell you, if that's your heartfelt prayer, I can assure you that God will hear that prayer. He will hear that prayer. And he will begin to do a work in your life as you recommit yourself to him. Whatever your need is, I'm asking, we're not going to keep an invitation going long. I'm asking, as soon as we begin the song, Michaela, you come. As soon as we begin singing, if you need to do business with the Lord, I encourage you to do it. It's okay. It's okay. The altar is not a place of embarrassment. It's a place of acknowledgement. We find altars all through Scripture. It's okay to come and to seek God's face. God bless you. Lord, we thank you for the message. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, the one spirit, God. Help us to strive together. Help us to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Help us to walk worthy of our calling. Help us to walk in the light of your word. Help us to be faithful to communicate your message of love, your message of truth to people who need to hear. For those that Maybe quietly wondering, how do I trust Christ? They simply just call out upon the name of the Lord. If you're here, you're watching, and you say, I've never trusted Christ, just, just ask Him to come into your life. Ask Him to forgive you. It's as simple as that. Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. You could say something like this. It's not about the words, but the desire of your heart. Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. And the best I know how at this time and at this place, I'm asking you, as the Savior of the world, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I'm lost. I'm undone. I'm walking according to the course of this world. I'm entangled in a yoke of bondage. I need to walk in your word. I need to walk in the light of your word. Jesus, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for making all things possible. I believe that you died for me. If that's your prayer.
and you prayed that to Christ this morning, I can tell you by the authority of God's word that he has heard your prayer and you are now a king's kid. You are a saved child of God, not because I said so, but because Jesus said so. You say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. Would you just look at me? Say, I meant it from the bottom of my heart. I just want to get your attention. Pray for me that I might walk worthy. Pray for me that I might walk worthy. God bless you, young lady. I see you. Somebody else say, I prayed that prayer. I'm trying to look out. I see you, young man. God bless you. I see you. You may be here and you say, you know what? I'm a believer. But pastor, thank you for this message and this challenge to walk worthy. Would you pray for me that I will walk worthy in the coming days of the gospel? You say, pray for me, pastor. Would you catch my attention? Raise your hand, look at me, something. Catch my attention. God bless you, God bless you. I see you all over. God bless you, God bless you. I see you. I want to walk worthy. Would you pray for me? God bless you. I want to I live for Jesus. God bless you. God bless, I see you, brother. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Someone else, say, I want to live for Jesus. God bless you. Bless, bless your heart. I see you, young lady. Say, I want to walk worthy, but I need to walk in the light of God's word. Help me to be faithful to be in God's word each and every day. Yes, I see you. I'll pray for you. Somebody else, help me to walk worthy. I see you. If you're online and that's your prayer request, just, just do something. Do a thumb up. Do a shout out or whatever. We want to pray for you counted a joy, a privilege to pray for you. Father, you've seen the heart. You've seen the hands. You've seen the hearts of these people. These ones who have indicated their faith in Christ and these ones who want to walk worthy. They want to walk in the light of your word. God, I pray that you give them the strength. Give us all strength. God, that you might be honored. That you might be glorified in the days ahead. And we'll give you the praise for it all. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And for his sake. Amen and amen.